How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagner here, welcoming you to edition number 63 of Joe vs. the World. And in case you want to wear this is, in fact, our last show. And I will indeed miss the show terribly. For those that are curious, I, it did bring me much happiness to do a wrestling podcast and have it be as well-received as it was. I'm still astounded by by the number of downloads and all the nice things people have to say about it. And a lot of people are still unsure of why the show is ending. And, and basically, I turned 30 earlier this year, and uh, that probably makes me older than about 99.9% of you listening out there. But basically, when you turn 30, you have a lot of shit to do in your life, and, and doing a wrestling podcast is, is pretty far down the list. And I really I just don't have time to dedicate to the show anymore full-time. You know, I... Just doing a show once, once a month, twice a month, that that just doesn't really appeal to me. I I was kind of proud of the fact that I was able to do pretty much a weekly schedule with this show, and you've probably know the shows have slowed down quite a bit since then. And the second reason, I just kind of felt I did all I could. I, I, I covered all the topics I wanted to. The History of WrestleMania show, Observer Hall of Fame, the Wrestling Video Games show. I talked to everyone you know I want to have on, on a podcast. And I just feel like, okay, I, I could do more shows, but you know, I, I just feel like I've done all I can with this, and it's time to end it while we're still on a roll. And I think we are on a roll. I think our last shows, uh, you know, going back quite a ways, have been really good. And I, I want to end on a high note. I want to leave people saying, you know, I wish Joe versus the World was still around instead of saying, you know, Ugh, he's still doing that podcast. So that's it, really. Um, I debated what to do for a final show. I didn't want to have people come on and talk about the show itself. That's kind of what we did during the 50th show. So what I decided to do is just bring back a bunch of guests we've had on a lot and uh, just talk about wrestling like we always did. Maybe tie up a few loose ends along the way. You know, will this discussion be outdated in the future? It's probably outdated now that you're listening to this. But, you know, this show is at its best when it was just goofballs talking about wrestling. So if that's how you live, why not have that be the way you go out? So... This is going to be a monstrous show, and so big I decided to break into two parts. So, tell you what, you grab a snack, kick back, and I'll be right back with our very first guest. I am joined at this time by the man without whom there would be no Joe versus the world. Not, not quite a silent partner, since he talks quite a bit, but he was on the first show, the 50th show, a lot of shows in between. He should be on the last show, too. It's the Cubs fan himself. Cubs, how you doing? Good. Glad to be on. Good. This is our. This is it. This is the final show of Joe versus the World. Do you have? Uh, do you have any thoughts on our our magical run? It lasted quite a long time. I think you know. It did. Whole, you know, we went like eighteen months. Yeah. Just for, forever on the internet. Pretty much eighteen months in a show, almost every week. Some. Yeah. Some weeks more. Some weeks uh, a bit less, but. It worked out. That's right. It did work out, and. Uh, we're very sad to see it go, but things run its course, and uh, I would prefer to go out on top. I've been very proud of a lot of the shows we've done lately, and seems as good a time to end as any. Yeah, you, you, you don't want to, you know, reach a depth where you're stuck for death and you end up hitting Hobbs on again or something. Oh yeah, that would just be that would just be sad. I can't. Yeah. I'll go into uh, Terry Funk mode, and I'm sure I'll come out of retirement uh, 20 times yeah. in the next couple of years. But so. You are our main lucha guy, so I figured we would talk some lucha on the final episode because sure. that was kind of the, one of the strengths of our show is we could talk about anything. We could talk about WWE, Independence, Japan, Mexico. So we're gonna try to do all that in one. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk some lucha. We haven't done this in a while, so 
let me ask you, how's AAA doing both business-wise and quality-wise? Business-wise, it seems they're doing pretty good. They did, they did really good for Triple, Triple Mania last month. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing good at their TV shows. I don't know how good they're doing with their just spot shows. But mm-hmm. they seem to be doing as well as could be expected at this point. Um, the quality, they've got some good stuff in the undercard. Just the main events, they're focusing on two people, um, Cybernetico and Macias, to the, so that they face every week on TV for like 30 weeks. <laughs> it's about week 14, you got, kind of got sick of that, but it is what it is. Aren't they in the process of creating a, a world championship? We yeah, in, in creating the, the new world heavyweight championship, they've dug up every other heavyweight championship someone else has that they haven't used in two years, and suddenly everyone has the belt again. So I'm not really sure what the concept is. I think the idea is that the Seas is going to end up with all the worthless championships, <laughs> but going to, but, but then he's going to lose the tournament in the end to Cybertico, and then they'll have a big match for like 15 belts at the end. Wow. So what, what kind of belts are being dug up? Like just random dead federations or random AWA, I mean AAA belts? Random that... federations. I mean, there's like, Juventu Guerrero had a promotion for like two weeks with the idea that he's going to do TV for Japan. So he created a title and somehow, and it got on Cybernet Go and then Laparca had for a while. But just, you know, those titles that they create once because that week they have a good idea of what to do with it. And then they never use it again, but it gets brought up every so often. Huh. And it, it's just sitting in someone's closet until they need to run an angle with it. How, how is Cibernetico? I've never... I don't think I've ever seen him. He, he's an extremely limited wrestler. I mean... I see. His personality is over because he's the guy who's a long-term heel who's finally on the good side. And that... Um, and he's got a huge push behind him, but... Mm-hmm. He's not much of a wrestler at all. All right. Now, you said there's some good stuff on the undercard. So who's who's doing good stuff these days? Um, it, it's the um, Air Force guys. They're real through our area. Mm-hmm. I'm not pronouncing that right. The um, Superfly, um, Laredo Kid, who's in Noah right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Aerostar, uh, Ray Cometa. They have like about a group of six or seven guys who like rotate in and out depending on who's available for that card and who they want to push at that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's they're all very good young high flying guys. All right. And then there's there's a bunch the the rest of the undercard in AAA is really heavily Rudo. There's a lot of guys that can work off of and you know, they have the, the great matches with um Grand Apache and his guys leading up to the mass match at Triple Mania where Cologne lost his mask. And then they've been doing some stuff with them since then. Hmm. All right. Now, is AAA doing stuff with the Warp Tour uh, this summer? Yeah, they sent um, Angel, Angel, who used to be Oscar Savilla, the bullfighter dude. Oh yeah. Um, psychosis, the the second Psychosis. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was it? Uh, Mini Chessman, Mini Charlie Manson, and a couple guys who I'm just one of the Barrio Boys. And I forget who the last guy was. But they just sent six guys to have matches during the Warp Tour at every stop they were going to. Hmm. So they'd do a singles match, and then they'd do a tag, and then they'd come back to a trio's match later in the day. And, you know, it, 
I think it got them some publicity. I don't think it got them a lot, but it was just, you know, one of those things that was brought up every time the World Tour went to someplace, they'd do a preview, and they would always mention Triple A Lucha Libre. So I don't think it's a big deal, but I think it did help get them some notoriety. Yeah, I'm not sure what you could really... I mean, it's nice to say, yeah, we're doing... We did a tour in the U.S., which is a little disingenuous, but, I mean, unless you're planning on running... I mean, it's not even. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people are going to the Warp Tour just to see AAA. So I, I don't even know if it's really a barometer if you wanted to tour the U.S., which they've talked about forever. Yeah, I, I think it's just the way that you know their name is out there and people have heard about them before mm. they actually try to tour with a full show. And it was six guys that they could send out for two months and really never even miss. So are they having the same match every night, or are they? I, I think. Probably, I mean, they. I think they switch around who faces who. I haven't okay. really heard too much exact, you know, reports from it because I don't. It, I haven't heard too much of it, so I don't know if that means it just hasn't been popular or just you know their matches and then people see them and they go to the concert and people just you know aren't there to see the matches as well. Mm. But I think you know with six guys you can rotate around and do something different each night if you want to. All right. Now, do you think AAA will ever? Tour the U.S. in uh, any large capacity. I mean, they used to run crowds in, uh, I mean, shows in California that drew just enormous crowds during their heyday. Do you think yeah. that's ever something that will ever happen? Or I, I can't see them doing an actual tour, but, you know, I think they've thought so much about going to the United States that at some point they're going to do a show just to finally do a show. They'll <laughs> bring a TV taping or something just to be in America and say, we finally accomplished this thing we've been talking about for years. I, hmm. I think it depends on how well that goes and how well that's promoted to see where they go from there. Triple uh, A, this kind of thing, kind of promotion usually talks about doing stuff but never gets around to actually doing it. Mm-hmm. So it may take a while or maybe something where they have generally have plans to do it at some moment, but then things happen and they never get back to it. Now, did the uh, Baby Marvin angle ever get resolved? In any way? Yeah, when um, Fabi Apache, who was baby, baby Marvin's mother, turned on her husband, and Grand Apache gave her back the baby. So now Fabi and so the two Apaches are now Rudos, and Billy Boy tried to got depressed for a while, got committed to a mental hospital. And he, <laughs> was, Ray, was Scott Hall there? Because, yeah, because sadly, no, or no Ric Flair. But, oh. you know, in a short time, Billy Boy lost his wife, his baby, and his, uh, the rest of the Barrio Boys turned on him. Oh. So it was just a tough time in Billy Boy's life. But he came out with a new attitude. He had one return match on TV, but he won, but all the Rudos laughed at him because he was still a loser afterwards. <laughs> So since then, there's been a mysterious new man helping Grand Apache, a masked man named Alpha. And he's, Alpha's earned Grand Apache's trust, and he's taken him on as his, new, his big student. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of pushing Alpha towards Fabby Apache, thinking they would be a good couple. What, we, what Grand Apache does not know is that Alpha is probably Billy Boy. Oh, so at some point, there's going to be a big reveal, huh. and that's going to be a pretty that could be a pretty awesome moment if they do that right. But they've been slowly working um, Alpha into and Grand Apache and Fabby Apache all together, and it, it's 
Hmm. Because they've paced it out and they haven't just done one week, it's really come off pretty well. Cool. So, I, I mean, like, I guess the general question is, have there been any real changes in AAA since um, Antonio Pena's passed on, or are things just kind of going the same way, maybe a bit more organized? They're a bit more organized. I think that they have a more overreaching plan of where they want to be in the long term, but I think they're mostly following the path that he had set out beforehand. Hmm. All right, well. That was uh, AAA. Let's talk some CMLL, the same kind of question. How are things going there business-wise and quality-wise? Uh, I think it depends on the show and depends on who's involved mm-hmm. a lot. I think there's a Pero Jr. and Mystico make a difference, and very few other people do. Quality-wise, they have an anniversary show coming up at the end of the next month, and at different times they've teased, like, Mystico versus Pero in a, a Stips match or... Dr. Wagner versus Ultimo Guerrero in the mass match, both which would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Instead, it seems like we're going to get Piero Guayo Jr. versus Liz Mark Jr., yeah. who, who two weeks ago was a heel turning teaming with Piero, and they just randomly broke them up. And yeah. so we're supposed to want to pay money to see Piero quite obviously beat Liz Mark for his mass, since Liz Mark is not a guy who seems... He's a flaky guy at best, and he, there's and talk about him losing his mask for a couple of years. So it, if that is what happens, it's going. It's, I think they're going to have some trouble business-wise coming up. Yeah, that's not. I mean, if you did Wagner and in, uh, in Ultimo Guerrero, that's that's insta sellout, and you can probably draw a, a bigger crowd than uh, Arena Mexico could hold. I'm sure, but yeah, you know, it, it ta- the best case is that. They're, Building towards um, Pero Lismark, but Lismark is just a placeholder in case Mystico doesn't come back in time. And then they would do some sort of loser strips match with um, Pero and Mystico teaming against Ultimo and Wagner, and then the loser faces each other in a mass match or a hair match the next week. That's hmm. match. But so the idea in that case is that Lismark's just there in case Mystico doesn't get, come back, so they have the finish. But if Mystico comes back, they actually have a good match. I'm just not sure if they're going to be that creative. Hmm. It looks like they've. Uh, I want to say they've totally downgraded Mystico, but he's been he's been jobbing quite a bit more lately, and yeah. Perro's kind of picked up the slack. So we, I mean, I'm sure Mystico still sells a bunch of tickets, but is Perro the, the the guy from now on? I, I think they put Perro strong because they wanted to make him as good as Mystico. Mm-hmm. But I think at some point they're going to have to make. They can't keep them both strong because they're both opposed to each other. At some point, someone's going to have to win, or people are just going to get bored of the whole thing. Mm. So it's too soon to tell. I think eventually, I think Pierre's a lot more likely to lose his hair than Bisco is to lose his mask for the obvious reasons. Yeah. But I'm not sure if they're that close to doing it. So I think they're going to try to push both of them at the same level so hmm. people don't get turned off by the lack of, you know, any sort of finish to it. Do you think they could turn Perro uh, Technico, have them kind of team with Mystico as like a super babyface team, or or is it like him being a Rudo kind of part of his popularity? I, I think it's part of his popularity that okay. he's the anti-hero. He, it's got to be that way. And it, they could do something with, like Ultimo Guerrero and other people, but it, Piro versus Mystico is the best rivalry at this point, and there's not an obvious one to take its place if Piro changes sides. Okay. 
what else is going on in uh, CML? Have you seen uh, La Sombra yet? Yeah, I've seen some some of his matches. He's good. It seems like the Air Force guys in AAA really started getting TV time earlier this year, and it seems like Sombra and some other guys getting pushed in CML is a direct um, response to that, saying that they had these high-flying young guys, too, that they could push if they want to. Sombra is good, but he has he's blowing some spots and getting himself in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how good he's going to be for the long term, and I'm not sure how much the crowd and the promotion is going to have patience with him. He's only 19, so he shouldn't be that great right now. But, yeah. But once, it doesn't matter how old you are when they start pushing you in the spotlight. Hmm. Now, do you think we'll see... Um... Dr. Wagner or Ultimo Guerrero or anyone else besides Liz Mark losing their mask uh, anytime soon? I would put out a question for Dr. Wagner because there's been talk about that for years. And, you know, if anyone, he was going to lose, he's going to lose the mask to someone important. And the Ultimo Guerrero feud had a lot of, has a lot of push behind it. It seems like, you know, that would work if something for him to drop his mask. It's just, you know, will they get the deal done when they need to get it done? I, you never know for sure with CML. Um, mm. I don't think anyone else seems likely to lose their mask right now, but they'll have to, I'm sure they'll come up with something by the end of the year just to do a mask match at some point. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, uh, in the more local scene, are there any more Lucha shows in uh, your neck of the woods? I, think, I, I believe there was one last week, but I just, last weekend, but I couldn't make it out to it. I was interested in one they also had in Des Moines, Iowa, which is just an odd place for a Lucha show. <laughs> I, I can't imagine, you know, maybe they advertised, maybe they found people who wanted to go, but it's just, just you know, it's, it's not a big place to be gotten with, but so you're drawing with a subset of a smaller group, but maybe it worked for them, or maybe it'll just, you know, lose money at the show. I don't know. Who who so came was, to Des Moines? I'm curious, or was it all local people? I, no, it was like they brought in like a few stars in Mexico. I forget if it was Jesus. L.A. Park or somebody. But it was someone on that level who's an indie guy. Wow. And, and I guess they just you know had contacts and they brought them in. It, it's the same building that's run um, other indie shows before, so maybe they just wanted to try a different audience, or maybe someone thought. People can draw here, and if I bring my own guys in, I can draw. Hmm. Was Bill Factor present on that show? I don't remember. Oh, I love Bill Factor. Go look in the archives and hear me just totally break, totally just lose my uh, cool over Bill Factor. That's good stuff. Yeah. All right, well, I think we should quickly run over some uh, Hall of Fame stuff. That was a popular show. Last year, and uh, we have some lucha, a lot of lucha guys on the ballot. It seems. I'm not sure if this was uh, they became recently eligible or, or what have you, but I'm going to run down some names, and uh, I'd like you to give me some thoughts. All right, what about Conan? Conan, I think, is going to get in at some point. I think, but I think we're two or three years away from doing it, and it'll, it'll highly depend on how AAA does between now and then. But I think. Being, you know, part of creative in AAA is going to play a lot. It's going to affect how he does far more than, you know, what people remember him in WCW. So it, it remains to be seen, but I think he has a better chance than I thought would have said a year or two ago. Okay. 
What about Blue Panther? I would put Blue Panther in, but there's nothing Blue Panther has done recently that would make me for sure uh, add him in. There was actually, before Liz Mark got turned, he was working a fever with Blue Panther, and people were wondering if that could be a mass match. And actually, as far as Blue Panther is concerned, it's better that Liz Mark did turn, because if he lost his match, Master Lismark, that would be like a downgrade on his spur. Yeah. That's a guy I'd like to see in, but I just don't I just don't think he's got the I mean, I don't want to say that, but he doesn't really have the obvious credentials. I mean he's just been really great for so long. Yeah. So I just don't I, think your average viewer who's not too familiar with Mexico can look and say Yeah, you know. I think in a different context where you have a guy who's wrestled mostly in one territory one area has been a really good worker for a long stretch of time might do better, but because Mexico and he's a more familiar name, uh, I think he's always going to be the guy who's on the ballot but not getting in. Mm-hmm. Now they have Ultimo Guerrero and Ray Bucanero, I guess as a team. Yeah. Even though they're not a team anymore, and it seems like their heyday was uh, when they were fantastic when they were together, but their heyday seems a bit too short to really... Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> it was just... It was a really good run, but it wasn't a long enough run, and it was, it, I, and it was, it was just, you know, it doesn't seem like the Observer puts in tag teams unless there are no doubt, and even then, it's sometimes a bit of a question. I think yeah. Ultimo Guerrero is on the path where he will eventually be a Hall of Famer. He's still five, seven years from it, but he he will be in. <laughs> Ray Bucanero is probably going to be a guy who. The upside is if he gets the Blue Panthers level. He's, yeah. He, they really don't have as much confidence to push him as hard as they're pushing Ultimate Career up. All right. What about Viano 3? Seems that's kind of a Blue Panther level entry, although he does have that Observer match of the year on his resume, which is kind of a grabber. But I don't. Another one I kind of just don't think people not that familiar with Lucha would really. No, in his best glory days are days there's no TV from, there's no tapes from. People who were there speak very highly of his matches in the UWA, but no one who was, but there's no way for people who weren't there and they didn't see it, they're going to have a hard time believing it. And also, you know, his big, he's got the Atlantis feud, mm-hmm. but his big feud before that, his second most important feud his versus Texas Kid. And everything related to him is taking a downgrade at this moment. Yeah, that's not not something, not a high point. But um, yeah. how about Universal Dos Mil is on the ballot? I'm not. I mean, I, I just kind of have a modern frame of reference with him now. I'm not sure what he did in the past. Maybe he was tremendous. Maybe he's the best luchador ever. But I, I, I can't see him in. I can't see him staying on the ballot after this year. He's got too many detractors. He, he's a guy who was just. Around at a top, pushed at a top level for a long time, mm-hmm. but never was only a top guy because of who he was related to in drawing power. I mean, he, he got where he, I'm not sure he would have the same career if he wasn't seeing cares as his brother. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I think maybe in the CML Hall of Fame he might make it, but not in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Yeah. We had a couple older. Names: Dr. Wagner Sr. and Karloff Lagarde. I'm not too familiar with them. I don't, I've never seen any of their matches. Not really, so I, I can't comment. I don't know if you have anything. 
I, I actually, I know Lagarde, I think, suffered a heart attack last week or the week oh. before. Hmm. But, um, he, you know, I, I'm unfamiliar with his career. I know his son wrestled maybe he was in CML about 10 years ago. But just looking through old magazines and covers, he was, at least by the people who put those magazines together, which were the most important ways of, you know, of how wrestlers were seen at the time, he was a big star in those. So I, I, I would have to think about more, but I think he has a chance. And I said Dr. Wagner should be in Lasher, and I still think so. I just don't know if there's going to be a big change in his voting from this year at last. Mm. All right, and we have uh, Paco Alonso, which is kind of an interesting name. Is the... I think, yeah, the, the, the man in charge of CML, I think mm. this is not a year that's going to, going to improve his chances. So I think he's probably going to still be in that, you know, on the ballot, but not close to getting in the area. Yeah. And last, and certainly not least, we have Rey Mysterio, which is... I'm sure uh, a lot of his stuff outside Mexico will uh, will be the main factor. But do you think uh, – I think he, he belongs in. I'm not sure he'll get in this year, his first year. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I wouldn't be all that surprised if he didn't. Do you think he gets in this year or maybe a year or two down the line? I think he should get in this well, – what should happen is that he should get in with a 90% ranking because – He's so influential, mm-hmm. and he's a draw in two countries. And I just I don't know the observer voters well enough, but I gotta think that he gets in on the first year just because of the career he's had. Okay, well that is the list of luchadors, and I guess that's going to do it for us. Unless you had any final lucha thoughts you want to talk about? No, but I do want to thank you for having your show at my site. It was a pleasure having you on and you know you have the combination to the door so ever you want to come in and do more you're more than welcome to all right uh, i thank you for i thank you for hosting this show there would be no show without the cubsfan.com website it, it would be posted on send space and uh five people would listen but thanks to the fine service of your website we have a a pretty sizable audience i would like to say not monumental but uh it's nice it is. I'm very proud of what we've done, and uh, mm-hmm. kind of sad to see it end, but these things happen. So, I thank you for uh, being on. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll hear you can be on. Uh, we'll hear more from you on Figure Four daily, hopefully, in the future. Yeah. And you also write recaps for that website. So, when I get around to it. When you get around to it. So, plenty from the Cubs fan. I thank him for being on, hosting this show. And if you stay tuned, I'll be right back with our next special guest. All right, we are back. The final show with one of the one of the, if there was a Hall of Fame for Joe versus the World, this man would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. The WrestlingObserver.com's Justin Shapiro. Justin, how you doing? This is very very difficult, but um, I'm trying. I know it's tough, but I think I think you'll be better off for for being on this final show. It'll give us closure. Uh, I hope so. I mean, we've been waiting for the talks reports, and uh, hopefully, I, I think it's it's never gonna we're never gonna get any answers though. No, oh, yeah, that's how I mean, it is. Joe, I mean, holding in my hand mm-hmm. right here, I have a list of all the podcasts I've been on that have died. Really? And uh, this is this is on the, it. The one. So don't you think that's that's a problem? Well, well, are you just gonna look the other way about this? Well, you know, I 
you make your own personal choices here. I don't. I can't hold your hand. I just. I, I look out for the welfare of my guests as best I can. Things are much easier now than they used to be in the early days of this podcast. You're not on nearly as much. You get more time off. Not streamed. It's not streamed anymore. You know, you're not on the road. You're not in. Uh, you know, Oil City one day, Pennsylvania. I mean, Pittsburgh the next. Yeah, that is another one of my great regrets. And we never got to take this show. Uh to and film it in, in Iraq in front of the troops. Yeah, that would have been something. Which, uh, but, uh, you know, if you don't like them and don't want to do that for them, it's your decision <laughs> to end the show. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But God, Joe, think of think of everything we've accomplished. That's right. We, we covered uh, crappy WWE movies. I, think, I like to think we were the downfall of the condemned. I think we essentially ended the WWE uh, movie division. That actually make makes eight. me very sad, because we'll never get to see uh, Jorgunda Del Morte, mm-hmm. or whatever the uh, proposed Triple H movie, Journey of Death, whatever that was. That may never get made now. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. It's, uh, it's quite sad. Mm-hmm. It is quite sad, but... We, those were, these were classic episodes. I think they won the award for best podcast episode at the potties. The potties, yeah. Man, if only. I, yeah, I have very fond memories of uh, both the Marine, even though it involves seeing the Marine. And also the Condemned, which... Uh, I'll never forget it. My laughing uh, fit when they set that guy on fire. Which was not because oh. it was a Mexican, it was just the overwhelming sense of violence. Vince Verhey. Yeah, those guys that bitch. in the boat. Yeah, they did. They and didn't understand. You and me, you, Joe Cagney and Justin Shapiro is like this, just a a solid gold hit factory. And it it's is. Like boom, boom, boom. Solid gold hit. Solid gold hit. Solid gold hit. And uh, it probably says a lot about your character and humility that you'd be willing to intentionally end that, considering how lucrative it's been. Yeah, I know. All the, uh, I had a very good run, but. You know, it's just kind of... Let me, let me turn this around. All right. Let me, let me do the world versus Joe. Wow. What's next? What's next for Joe Gagney? I'm just going to be loving life for a while. Chillaxing? Well, I'd be, yeah, chill out, you know, think about stuff. Will I, will I be gone from radio for good? Probably not. Will I be, you know, on other shows? Say, hey, Joe, would you mind being a guest to talk? I'll do my best to be on that show. But, you know... I just think of uh, all that stuff we did. We did the uh, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame issues. Thorough. And uh, do you want to answer? I remember Scott Christ said the Steiner should be in the Hall of Fame. That's kind of absurd, but I don't I don't agree with that myself. Uh, resurgent as they may be to this day. Yes, but you know Rick Steiner kind of turned to a jerk at the end and beat people up. No, I mean. Uh, no. No, just no. The Steiner Brothers. No. Um, you brought up, I think there should be a, a Michelle McCool loving life about doing Joe versus the world. That'd be great. You mean like myself emulating that or her doing... <clears throat> her being on the show. Like, I love going on the Joe Gagney show. Yeah, we can see her talking, talking on the to phone, Joe, smiling. Talking to Joe, is the, it's like having a conversation with your oldest friend. <laughs> we had a lot of laughs. We talked about things. But most of all, we just had fun. I'm Michelle McCool, and I'm loving life. Printed. That's tremendous. That that was an excellent job right there. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so next for Joe Gagne is nothing. Nothing. Minimal. 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 Thinking, like Joe versus outer space. Oh wow! Joe versus the universe. Yeah. 
Why not? On Jupiter. It's, uh, it should be in your in your crosshairs, maybe. Maybe not immediately, but down the road. Yeah. You know, maybe I can finally get back on Figure Four Daily. It's mm-hmm. been uh, almost two years. I should say, I mean, when Joe Gagne, uh, after a long process, recruited me to do this show... Very hard not, negotiations. Uh, I was not um, proven commodity. I'd never... I did uh, one Figure Four Daily, which was a, a horrifying experience <laughs> and traumatized. I was like, I don't know, I'll give it my best shot, and and the results speak for themselves. I mean, you and I have chemistry befitting um, the famous chemist. Oh, sorry, burp. Um, famous chemist. Yeah. The chemistry of Joe's burp. It wouldn't be... Oh, how many smells. times have you burped at me, Joe? <laughs> well, it was earlier. I think that was before we went on the air. Also on the Marine show, there's like an Easter egg burp where it's very, <laughs> very soft, but you can hear it if you listen for it. It's right when Justin talks about... Um, uh, Nip Tuck hmm. mentions that you can hear me burp very softly. Great, great high spot. Yeah, that was a high spot, and uh, yeah, there was um, you you gained a lot of momentum from this show to make a triumphant return. To people just, clamor for your return to this day, which is funny because initially they clamored for me to die. So <laughs> I've turned that around. I don't think I've actually changed any minds. I think they ushered in a new era of uh, subscribers with vastly <laughs> different opinions. Yeah, and people. Wildly want you back on the show. I am uh, in- inexplicably popular among uh, the British, and huh. uh, not very popular amongst uh, people from the colonies. Your so. own countrymen, right? Damn. Yep. So, I need my own tour bus. That's right. But uh, no, Joe. I may do other shows, but uh, well, what other shows? Never going to be like do? this. Never going to be like this. You were on uh, Rear Naked Joke Radio. I remember that one time. The same day yeah, I was. I was on the morning. That podcast dead? I'll put it on my list of dead podcasts. That, yeah, I think that is kind of dead. Oh, he did like a news update, but... Doesn't count. Two. That is two. two. Damn. That's two too many. Wow, two too many. But, uh, yeah, I don't... We did uh, quite a bit. I remember we first uh, touched on global uh, wrestling Correct. early on in episode two. Also discussed uh, the monster... Being built in the lab. Prelude. One of my favorite episodes. Go listen to that, but you can't hear Justin because I, I audio issues were kind of abundant early on. Hmm. Well, yeah, it was the I'm typing in Joe versus the world dot com. What do you know? People uh, picking up the old telephone. No. Uh, oh, sorry. Yep. Bye. What? It's okay. Are you on the phone? For another maybe five minutes, and then that's that. Okay, fine. Okay. Please let me keep it. that on. I don't blame it. <laughs> don't make me edit that out. That's true. That's what a way to end. Um, this happens like every time we do a show. Well, it's because, viewers at home, I am a successful man in his 20s, live by himself, uh, just uh, drive all kinds of vehicles around. Great. Just things are kicking ass at this point, but I only have a cellular telephone. And um, when I want to give it my best on, on Joe's show, I always schedule the appearances when I'm at home at my parents' house visiting, being a good kid, because they have a landline telephone. Mm-hmm. It's led to, I think the count is now up to four times that uh, it's been interrupted. And uh, so Joe probably has actually a whole collection of Easter eggs of people picking up the, to the telephone being like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and um, so, but... It's, uh, it's part of the charm. Yeah, it certainly is. 
Uh, let's see. Any Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame stuff? That was another famous show we did. You made a sandwich while Cubs and I discussed Lucha Libre. Um, oh, yeah. It was one of my better sandwiches as well. Good. And, um, yeah, the interest in the Observer Hall of Fame has kind of diminished. There'd be no point in doing such a show this year anyway. It's hard to really... I don't know who's new. Like, we just going to discuss John Cena in, like, five years? Or... Yeah. The Rock's getting in. Rey Mysterio will get in at some point at the end. Actually, there is the vote on, which I think is kind of ridiculous, vote to kick Benoit out of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Didn't someone um, say, like, what will his children think of, of this? And it's like, you know, I, I think that's kind of... First of all, how the hell are they going to know? Yeah. Second of all, I think they got kind of bigger problems of the you world say that. knowing their Although, dad's a killer. I guess Observer is surprisingly popular among kids because uh, John Cronus's son and Dave corresponded. Right. So what? How that was you know, odd. Yes, it was a little bit odd. Kind of weird, and I don't you know. know. Kind of Cronus being well, who knows? Messed in the head. To be but point. if you want an update on the Hall of Fame, listen to last year's show, and then add in me saying yes to Rock and Ray. And Joe doing the same, and if you can get uh, the Cubs fan to do that, then we have a, another one in the can. All right. Ah. Ah, well, uh, do you have any final thoughts as we wrap this up? I'm not going to say goodbye. All right. I'm going to say I'll see you in a bit. Yeah. Justin, you are a, a good internet friend and an excellent uh, radio guest, and I wish you all the best in your future endeavors. I'm going to probably um, continue reading uh, the internet mm-hmm. and uh, emailing. I, I email some people okay. that, I, that I know, correspond with, family, etc. Makes sense. Um, message boards, I'll read those. But mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a place missing in my in my heart for a long time going forward. Yeah. Me too, but, well, all good things <sighs> come to an end. On that note, I thank you for all your dutiful service to Joe vs. World. I wish you all the best, and on that note, we'll be right back in a sec with our next farewell guest. We are back with our next guest, one of my favorite guests, well, I think one of everyone's favorite guests, Rob Naylor. Rob, how you doing? Howdy. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good on this last show. I know probably a bit of a sad occasion. This is like the legit last show? Yeah, this is it. Holy shit. Yep. I'm trying to go out with Ain't I esteemed? <laughs> I couldn't have a last show without Rob Naylor. Oh, there you go. I love it. All right. So. Now, uh, I actually, I, I didn't know what to, to talk about with you. It's an, I, you know, I kind of wrestling, I hadn't really been watching, talked about some other stuff, and I wrote to you, and you wrote back with a whole bunch of topics. <laughs> and you, you wrote back, how about gimmicks that sucked in 1996 WWF? So, I think that's a good place to start as any. Yeah, there was, there was a shitload... Uh, I'd say, uh, the worst of all of them was probably, uh, I don't even know if you could have a worst amongst this batch. I mean, who, Jim Neidhart, which I guess was a knock on Hulk Hogan or some shit. Really? Why? Yeah, I mean, yellow and red. Okay. And, like, but he's real pasty, so they didn't, like, send him to a booth or anything. I don't know. But he was around then. I don't think I've ever actually seen a Who match, but I do remember pictures. I remember Who. I thought he was a bit before 96. I'm gonna... I don't know about all that. I think it was like the summer. Oh yeah, 96. no, you're right. Ninety six. There was just like a deluge of really shitty stuff happening. Like I don't know if it's Jim Cornette's fault. I don't know who brainstormed all these things, but like a real bad batch came all in one shot. Like there was, 
Uh, who? There was Sal Sincere. There was the Pug. Who was Alex Porto? That's right. Who you know went on to greatness and. It's weird because he actually had greater heights in the Global Wrestling Federation. That's true. Than he he was in the a, WWF. Uh, he was a global pretty, guy. Yeah. What was his gimmick? Bad. Was he just was he just like an amateur wrestler? They just called the Pug. Yes, yeah, so I think the idea was he was supposed to be uh, pugnacious and very oh, uh, go get him. And uh, Jim Ross probably came up with that. Fight off, by the way. I am coming off a very bad. Sickness. I should not have gone to New York because it's filled with germs and, <laughs> and just slime and filth. And I probably got sick there. So don't touch the handrails in New York, New York folks. But uh, if I cough, just let me go. But uh, yeah, he was probably pugnacious. And Jim Ross said, well, damn, I think this is a good idea. And then like he slipped it along to uh, Cornette. And I think Russo was there then, too. But we won't saddle him with this because he gets blamed for you know, enough of stuff. But uh, the pug was there. And then there was Bill Irwin, who was one of my favorite wrestlers in the the uh, Long Riders tag team with mm-hmm. Scott Hogg. <laughs> and, like, this guy sucked. They, he changed his look completely and looked like a complete asshole. And he was called the Goon. That's right, the Goon. And his his gimmick was he was a hockey player that was too violent. And uh, Yes, a hockey player. Because that was the gimmick that Scott Demore or whatever his name is, the guy yep. that's kind of in TNA now, well, he was Al Snow's friend. And they were on a show together, and Al Snow's friend, Scott Demore, I guess, had this hockey thing. And he had the old outfit made, and he presented it to them. And they said, well, well I don't think there has a place in the World Wrestling Federation. And then, like, they went away. And then, like, a year later, all of a sudden, Bill Irwin shows up. And they're like, hey, we got something for you. <laughs> the only thing I remember, I, I swear to God, the only reason they made this, there was a skit where there was, like, a cake outside the ring, and, and the goon, like, fell into it or something. And uh, Vince McMahon, Yes, like, and he was slipping and sliding yeah. on the cake and the skates. I do remember that. And Vince That's McMahon's like... Looks like this is a an icing penalty or something, and it's like, okay. Oh my god, that's just totally fucking stupid. But couldn't, uh, couldn't they give the poor guy a name? Like, be like, okay, this guy played hockey. His name's uh, Charlie or something. It, but he was just the goon, you know. It was just. I know, I know. But good for Bill Irwin that no one knew it was actually him. Another person no one knew who it actually was was freaking Barry Windham showed up that year. Was he the stalker? The stalker, yeah. That was bad. Was, well, not only was it bad, but it was like. What the fuck? Is that Steve Kearns thing, you know? They, like, redid that within four years. I think, like, eight limits, like, the years you could wait for a gimmick rehash, but... Well, I remember the stalker was just... I don't know, was he, like, a, a bounty hunter? Like, a commando? Skinner was just from the swamp, so... They're, they're similar, but kind of shitty. Yeah, he was just, like, with, uh... the same thing as Skinner. The vignettes was like, hey, look over here, and they flash... Oh, that's right. ...fucking jungle, and... No, it wasn't Kamala, folks. And then they just, oh, no, I'm over here. And then, ooh, ooh, I'm in paint, and it's camouflage. I'm a stalker. And then I guess, like, it was funny because he was in horrible shape, and Barry Windham's one of my favorite wrestlers of all times, probably top ten. But, man, he sucked that year because I guess he was gaining all this weight because he had that knee injury. So he was, like, 320 pounds. Yeah. And, like, he was all, the camouflage was the disguise that he was so, you know, portly and out of shape and bad-looking. You know, so uh, nah, when, as, when he first showed up, on, he was just uh, he was, when he first showed up, he was just Barry Windham, and then yeah. the next time he was the Widowmaker. Yeah, and he didn't last too long because he was just uh, didn't his like dad get busted for counterfeiting or dad or yeah, his brother that allegedly was the infamous counterfeiting deal. Where, uh, <laughs> if Widowmaker would have been huge. I don't give a shit what anyone says. He was onward and upward with that year, but then he went away. Thanks. Blackjack, and then like he came back and was fat. Yeah, and Vince was probably kind of pissed at us. He's like, "Well, 
we're going to camouflage you. And then as, like, the weeks went on, he had less camouflage. You kind of noticed more and more that it was Barry Windham. Yeah. And then, like, he just was, like, Barry Windham in camouflage pants. And he still sucked. And uh, who else was there that year? Uh, Freddie well, Joe Floyd. Oh, yeah, I'm, I remember that. I remember Freddie Joe Floyd was uh, Tracy Smothers. Tracy Smothers, yeah. Just doing a uh, hick gimmick, and I don't... I read on uh, Wikipedia, which uh, the whole thing was kind of a rib on the Briscoes, because one of them's name is, like, Fred Joe, and the other one's name is Floyd. Yeah, and he was from, like, Bowlegs, Yeah, Arkansas from Bowlegs, Oklahoma, I think. And yeah, that's... or someplace, and they're like, okay. That was probably, yeah. yeah. either. And what else? Oh, God, it was horrible. We had, uh, well, like... you mentioned Sal Sincere, who I swear to God I thought was Tom Zank when he uh, first showed up, and I, I still kind of think that to a degree, but... Well, yeah, it was a Tom, you know. That was the uh, yeah, that was the first kind Andy, of uh that was the first uh I guess obnoxious Italian kind of gimmick. Yeah, that uh, that hurt me a lot. I don't know. I uh I think that they were really aggressive for straws with that shit. Yeah. It's a bomb, obviously. Oh, Mark Merrow, I remember he called him a jobber and said his name was Tom Brandy. Yeah, that was like a year later I think they did that. But like That was weird. Yeah, he just he stayed around, you know, and did jobs here and there and Really didn't do much, and then there was the uh, Tony Anthony. He's one of my favorite wrestlers too, and they brought him as the plumber. T.L. Hopper. T.L. Hopper, yes. And his claim to fame came when at SummerSlam on the pre-show, they had a setup with a pool and everything backstage, and <laughs> so I was like, "Ooh, is that what?" And then all of a sudden, T.L. Hopper sees like this little nugget at the bottom of the pool, and he dives in with enthusiasm and grace. He's got to get that shit that he just yearns for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then you basically see why that that uh, gimmick bombed. That was the same SummerSlam pre-show where Yokozuna wrestled Steve Austin, yeah. and like he went to do the butt splash, and the ring broke, and he fell down on his fat ass. Wasn't that his last appearance, Yokozuna? <laughs> oh my, because that that was probably mean if I said that. No, I don't know. I, maybe it was. No, wait, wait, wait. He came back at Survivor Series because then he was eight hundred pounds. Okay. Yeah, he was like yeah, he was like six fifty at this SummerSlam, oh. and then they sent him to Duke Weight Loss Center. And then he went there and ate the place. And he came back. <laughs> and he came back at like 800 pounds. Yeah, oh, that that's was too bad. It. Yeah, it is. I love Yogazoo, and he's awesome. I actually think there's a place for a wrestling plumber, but not Tony Anthony. No, probably. Well, maybe, but you'd have to have it in like the intimate confines of like the Global Wrestling Federation or well, IWCCW, yeah. where there's so much shit around that he could actually be of some value. Because like. At WWF, it was, I mean, you figure that NWO was kicking in WCW. You yep. had all these guys like the Luchadors coming in, and it was cool again. And it's like, yeah, look at all this action and fun and excitement and suspense and these outsiders. And then, like, WWF's answer is like, yeah, well, we got a guy that likes shit. Oh, okay, great. Turn to my channel immediately. I mean, it just didn't make any sense. Then you had fake Diesel and Razor, which we didn't even oh, think Oh, that's of. right. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Those that guys. Bad. Unbelievable. I remember, like, okay, why is Razor taller than Diesel now? I know, right? I really liked Razor. Fake Razor was Rick Bogner, who was Big Titan, who was one of my favorite Japanese wrestlers, because it was, like, him and Mike Awesome, the Gladiator, that was, like, they were my guys. They were, like, the guys that were, like, nine feet tall that did all, like, the high spots that the little wrestlers did. Mm. Like, that guy did, like, a... Top rope Frankensteiner back in the days when, like, Jushin Liger was the only guy doing top rope Frankensteiner. So I was like, whoa, it's like he's the next Hulk Hogan. I'm going to write into Pro Wrestling Illustrated on this shit. And so, you know, that didn't happen neither. And I guess he really sucked. I didn't see any of that, really. I saw, like, one or two things. I never saw when Jim Ross turned bad. I, I remember that. It was, like, college, and, like, 
even like the people that were watching wrestling in like the lounges and stuff, they would always have nitro on, so you wouldn't be able to see anything even if you were down there to watch. But like, yeah, you wouldn't oh, be busting to see like, oh, I gotta see what TL Hopper's up to, because you know the most embarrassing shit would show up when you like finally get him to turn to Raw. I know you would see like, yeah, I remember uh, Glenn Jacobs was also Isaac Yankum. Well, that was the year before. So yeah, I don't know if, whether he he upgraded or downgraded on. Uh, yeah, I think a slight upgrade with Diesel. Yeah, I the dastardly know. dentist was never the really his favorite character. No, that didn't do much for anyone. And uh, then he was Unibon too. I that's mean, true. WWF at least wasn't stupid enough to bring in that guy after 1996. <laughs> you know what I mean? Unibon. He wasn't like a. He was just called Unibom, right? He teamed with Al Snow. Yeah, he was Unibom, and like his finisher was the Unibomber. Ooh. Which, yeah, yeah, it was all good times at Smoky Mountain. You could exploit anything in the early 90s, I guess. That's when he and Al Snow did the uh, interview, and uh, Al Snow made fun of uh, Robert Gibson's lazy eye or something. One of the best things ever. That yeah, was one said. of the best things ever. And then they he had said, a... is your eye so slanted that when you cry, the tears run down your back. Oh. And then he made fun of Ricky Morton's dad, who's, or mom, or whoever's deaf in the family. And like he's like, yes. You're my favorite, my little... Uh, and, like, he mumbled like he was doing... <laughs> I guess the original plan, too, is to have, like, one of those little deaf people down in, like, the corners of the screen during church that you have on TV <laughs> where they're like, I like you, and they're, like, miming shit, which would have been really great, but... Oh, well. That was, didn't they have a and scaffold now, match after that? That was, like, one of the only decent scaffold matches I can remember. Yes, it, was, it all led to the scaffold match where they hung up Ricky Morton like a pinata with a rope from the scaffold. And hmm. Al Snow was so great that year on promos, and I literally remember what he said. He's like, hey, we had a big piñata party. Hector Mondo Chavo, how are you doing? Hola, amigos. And I was like, oh, my God, it's great, as Ricky Morton's choking. It's Good Ricky shit. Smoky Mountain was pretty damn underrated. It's too bad we never did a show on them. <laughs> no, I could. I don't have too much. I got a couple tapes of uh, the best of Smoky Mountain, but they did some good yeah. shit. Agree. I don't have, like, any, like, full TVs of theirs, but, like, the best of, I have a little bit of that. I've never even ever seen that match with, like, Cactus and Candido, that anything goes. Well, that's a good... I think so. oh, no. WWF DVDs, and I've still never seen it. Oh, wow. I think I have that somewhere, but... Yeah, it's pretty well known. Oh, make sure you know. see the uh, the uh, Rock and Roll Express Heavenly Bodies uh, cage match, Loser Leaves Town. Yeah. I'm that's sure one of the best... Ma- that's a fantastic match, but... I anyway. like the Heavenly Bodies more than, like, any other tag team beside PG-13. They were so fucking good. <laughs> they never get mentioned, though. Like, no. And it's not, not plain either. Fuck Stan Lane. Fuck Dennis Condry. Fuck Bobby Eaton, even. I don't even give a shit. The best team ever was Tommy Pritchard and Jimmy fucking Del Rey. That's they right. rocked. They were so good. They were so good at, like, crossing up shit. Like, everyone tried it at those times. Like, Austin and Tillman tried to do that. But no one really got Patterson and... uh no, Stevens and Bachwinkle. They got them down pat. They had all that shit. Cool. They were really good. I remember... I remember uh, them in the Steiners at SummerSlam. That's right. 93. So good. 93, I believe. That's the one where Jerry Lawler wrestled uh, Bret Hart, which is another fucking awesome match. That's right. And, and I uh, hated it at the time. Dude, I hated it so much. I remember thinking, I'm never playing WWE again when I watched <laughs> it at the time. I was so mad. I was all beat up from my car wreck, and I was like, this sucks, this ruined summer. I was so mad, I don't even know why. Now looking back, I think it's fucking great. It's yeah, that's a great show. show, I don't know. It was a great show, but I was so blinded by WCW. This wasn't as good because Vader and Sid weren't on it. Like, I don't know what my problem was. I'm, maybe it didn't have enough cold twins. I don't know. what. Maybe my car wreck infected my head at the time because I thought it sucked. I was so mad when Blink came out instead of, like, Jerry Lawler. <laughs> but, like, I wasn't mad like I was supposed to be mad. I was mad like, it's this shit. Because then even on TV, they're like, what a ripoff. And I'm like, you're right. Damn it, rip off. 
I was just very young and stupid and mad. And like now I look back at that show and it's really good. Like I think uh, one, two, three, kid and Ted DiBiase's on there. And I'd I like think to it's that IRS and uh, I think it's Razor and uh, Ted DiBiase and DiBiase. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. And you had Both like really good. Yeah, and you had uh, and maybe you were pissed uh, Alex Luger failed to beat Yokozuna. No, no. Actually, I was mad because I hated the the video afterwards. I'll be the hero video. Oh, uh, yeah. That was really shitty. And, like, I don't know. The whole thing just really angered me. And then I, the saving grace of it all was I thought the Steiners and Heavenly Bodies was, like, one of the best matches ever, even at the time I did. But, like, look at back. That Lawler-Doink-Bret Hart match is probably even better than the Steiners match. It probably holds up a lot better. That was a really good angle. Yeah. That was and good it was Matt Bourne, the best doink. Yes. The doink that did drugs, damn it. He was really good. I think to play a wrestling clown, you need to be uh, kind of on the wellness policy or off that wellness policy, if you will. He'd have been one of the ten that's suspended, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. We have a few more gimmicks we have to mention. Allegedly did Allegedly drugs. Allegedly <laughs> did drugs, yes. Oh, that's like my gimmick on this show. Yeah, he did drugs. Just... He did not do drugs. Although, in a shoot, he did say that he did have problems. So. Okay, well, all right. I've covered 15 ways on that one. Phew, that's good. We forgot to mention uh, <laughs> Mantar, who was... Kind of more 95, but he went to 96. Yeah, Mantar, who's PN News' brother, Bruiser okay. Mastino. Yes. Was he the shittiest he guy uh, Jim Cornette ever managed? He was horrible, <laughs> but I didn't even think he was as bad as people said. Like, sure, he couldn't go off his feet, but I'd still put him against half the people that are on wrestling TV now. That's how bad I'm disinterested in it. Wow. But, like, Mantar wasn't that bad. He was all right. Well, he said the purpose. Oh. He had that stupid ass head and all. Yeah, with that big bull head. I never saw that. I, I didn't see Minotaur. See, I almost call him Minotaur because Minotaur was Steve DeSalvo, who was another horribly bad gimmick, but WCW, <laughs> where he had a giant leather strap on his arm because, for whatever reason, that signified that he was half man, half beast. And Polly Dangerously had a great promo saying that he swore that. See, it was, didn't mean when he called him that, that Steve DeSalvo's mom had sex with animals. Oh. <laughs> and, like, Jim wow. Ross was like, oh, God, Polly. But he was great. Steve DeSalvo's, like, the biggest roid monster in the 80s and 90s that really should have made it. And he never did. It sucks. That's too bad. And he's still alive, though, so maybe it's all for good. Yeah, he's maybe still kicking. Maybe due to the fact that he didn't get a push, he could have got off the sauce faster, and thus he's 55 now, so. Oh, that's good news. And, uh, I thought, oh, I don't know if it was supposed to be Man and Centaur. That's where Mantar came from. And it's Mantar. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's probably okay. the case. I, should you have like four legs or something? I don't know. I don't even know either. I, th- I don't The know. fact that he, he might have been the one person in the PN News family with the worst gimmick, you know what I mean? That's that's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like I said, I didn't hate him that much. Yeah. So I just I, I didn't like Man- Mantar by any means, but like I just think that there's certain guys that you always hear people shit on so bad that it almost gets to the point where you're like, you know what, they're not that bad. Yeah. He wasn't like Eligante bad, you know? No. There's a certain level of bad that people are, like Zeus bad, you know? Yeah. Or what's that guy, the global guy that did witchcraft? Oh, Rasta the Voodoo Man. He wasn't Rasta the Voodoo Man bad, you know? Thank he's God. All right. Yeah. But that guy's making bank now, so we got to give him some props. Yeah. I think he's a repo man now, if I remember correctly. Terry Tate, office linebacker? Oh, no, I meant uh, Mantar. <laughs> oh, my God. If you know what Mantar is doing, that's awesome. <laughs> that's on, that, that's, that's again, on Wikipedia. So, but That shows that you did some research. I, I was curious about it. Like, what was Mantar? They were very around? good. I like them. That's good to know. If Mantar ever repoed my car, I'd give him a <laughs> high five. And a ham sandwich. 
and then he'd run for it, and I'd get my car. Oh, that's a good plan. We've got uh, Man Mountain Rock, who was um, Max Payne, right? Yeah, Max Payne's one of okay. my favorite wrestlers of all time. He was awesome. Like in, I thought in CWA with Lawler, he was so good. And he, he didn't have that much talent, per se. He just he had a good look. He knew when to do things, and he was fat. And as we will talk about later, I'm a huge fan of the fat wrestler. Yes. He was good, you know, and he had a unique, sick look to him. But then WWF got their claws on him, and he became Man Mountain Rock. And, like, he did, like, this radio DJ, but he actually did, like, play instruments also type thing. I remember the vignettes. You remember the vignettes? Yeah. And they'd be like, coming soon, rocking his way to the WWF. And That's my guitar impression, by the okay. way. But yeah, they, like, they'd hit a chord, and he'd be like, yeah, I'm coming. And like, he would talk about, like, actual, like, artists that were out at the time, like Dishwalla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hip to the Dishwalla scene. Monster magnets on the way up. And then, like, he'd, like, name, like, a band, like, and you know what? Guns N' Roses, epic. And, like, it was so stupid. He was just trying to be cool and, like, failing so miserably it's not even funny. Um, and, like, I don't know. I wish in a perfect world he'd have been a superstar. But then they fucking pinked his hair. He had, like, the, the dyed bright pink hair. Yeah. And he, they gave him a guitar, and he wasn't that good at the guitar, so he was fucking up live, and people were like, well, this guy sucks on the guitar. It's a little blue because of that. It was just a mess, and I liked him a lot. I wish I wish someone would have made a star out of him, but yeah. wasn't to be. No pain, no painkiller arm bar. No, they, it they was called his finish, which was a whammy so bar. Yes, they took the most devastating, sickening, realistic finish, and they called it the whammy bar, <laughs> and then... Like, I don't know. It just, it was doomed from the start, but, oh well. <laughs> Those were tough times. In the... Very. Oh, the best thing ever, though, yeah. is when Bob Backlund flipped shit because he didn't like rock and roll. Do you remember that on Raw? No, I don't. The only thing I think on, I have on tape that Mad Mountain Rock did that was at least halfway decent. Okay, yeah. Like, like he's like, Bob Backlund, well, Mad Mountain Rock wrestled, and they showed Bob Backlund backstage watching with, like, his glasses on the monitor. I don't like that piece of machinery and, like, flipping out because he had a guitar. Ooh. And then, like, he just flips. He's like, the crawling stones, rolling rock. And then, like, he just flips, and he just flips out, and he starts throwing shit all over the aisleway. Or all, like, they're backstage, right? So in this hallway, and everyone's looking at him like, what the fuck is wrong with him? And he's throwing shit. He's falling on his ass, like, like flipping out. And, like, then they pan away to McMahon. He's like, oh, we'll go back to that later. And it, it was just very, You have to see it for it to be done justice. I'll probably try to YouTube it later, but it's awesome. very funny. All right. I and think... Mountain Rock and Bob Backlund. Can you imagine how shitty those matches were? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's when uh, Raw was taped in, like... That's what I got. It seems like a high school gym. Like, you could see the back walls, like... Oh, yeah. I actually honestly think it was taped at Bushkill, Pennsylvania, which is... <laughs> Hop, skip, and a junk, jump, junk even, away from me. Yeah. Oh. Bush kill. That's where the one, two, three kid had his big match with uh, Bret Hart that I was at. Really? That's a hell of a match. Sure was. And he also wrestled the one, two, no, he wrestled uh, Nikolai Volkov, who had a big sense sign on his ass. Because, like, <laughs> said, he was poor, so Vince brought him back. He's like, well, you said you were poor. And he's like, here, you'll be poor in, in our league, too. <laughs> and they put him with Teddy Biasi and gave him a sense sign, which is great. Cool. All right, let's talk. Let's talk fat guys. I really want to. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, we have yeah. time for this. My let's favorite, talk about the, the fat fucks. My yeah. favorite fat guy of all time was uh, Earthquake, '89 to like mid '90. He started feuding with Hulk Hogan, kind of lost interest. But he was yeah. just like he had the best squashes. I remember one he had against. I think it was Mark Starr, because it was a guy in uh, like American 
flag uh, pants or something. Oh, wait, I knew it is. Vincent Young, or Mark Young, they call him. Oh, yeah, I think it was Mark. Maybe he was Mark a flippy Young. guy and he breakdanced, so yeah, I know who the hell this That's guy right, is. That's right, because yes, Earthquake clotheslined him. He did a forward flip bump. He like yep, a shoot, and yeah, and they showed that on like the opening to Superstars. Even cooler, that, that motherfucker is <laughs> Chief J. Strongbow's son. Really? Yes, even yeah. more reason to like him. His real name is Mark Scarpa. He's the wow. son of Chief J. Scarpa Strongbow, so yes, way to go. Yeah, like Earthquake Great when he had the... bumper, yeah. buddy. That, that, that guy is something else. That's right. He had the uh, Canadian flag on his chest, and they took it off, I guess. And they, he was yeah, a Canadian he was, Initially, he was the Canadian, exactly, and he sat his ass on a... Ultimate Warrior when he tried to do push-ups. Yeah, and that's forth, awesome. Every time man. after anyone got in a push-up contest, anytime there's fat people around, you were a little apprehensive. Yeah, I remember like he did an angle. He was going to squash Hulk Hogan. He's wearing this brown outfit. He looked ter- he looked like a big turd. Dude, that yeah, the turd outfit did suck. That I don't understand. He had a cool blue outfit, then he yeah. turned to turd. That was before the Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan match. Yep. But I liked Earthquake too because. He could do a drop kick, which always made the fat guys great. So when I was a little kid, Jerry Blackwell could do a drop kick. And it wasn't a very good drop kick, but, like, Larry Nelson would have, like, a giant orgasm over it. So then I was like, wow, that must be a pretty good drop kick. So then from ever on, like, anytime some fat ass did a drop kick, I knew that it was a special moment in wow. wrestling and life. So, like, I remember Earthquake did this crazy-ass drop kick with big-time ups, and I was like, wow, he's even better than Jerry Blackwell. And the other thing about the fat guys that made him the best was any fat guy could drop an elbow mm-hmm. or drop a leg or do a big splash or do the big jumping knee drop. But if you were a fat guy did all that shit, oh, yeah, that means you were good. Yeah. Like, maybe now they say, oh, that's a shitty worker. How come he blew his load on all the moves? But no, I don't I think... The whole idea of a fat guy knowing many ways to squash somebody was always fun. Yeah. Like, Jerry Blackwell had, like, 15 flying maneuvers. He'd do a big elbow drop or big splash. He'd do a headbutt. I always thought fat guys that did headbutts was retarded. <laughs> like, your head might, better be mighty fucking hard for it to be more impressive than just dropping all 500 fucking pounds on somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's the point, Jerry Blackwell? Come on, man. Worker yeah. my ass. No, he is good. He was cool, though, because he got the headbutt over, because, like, he headbutted nails and shit with his wow. head. Yeah, he headbutted nails. Not like Kevin Kelly nails, but, like, yeah. legit <laughs> nails. <laughs> legit nails in this shit. And, like, his head would be bleeding and everything, and Larry Nelson, once again, would be, like, looking for a jizz rag. So, like, he'd be like, oh, no. Unbelievable. So, then they'd pan off to Ken Resnick. But, yeah, more fat guys. we got to break some more. We, do, we need up. more fat guys in, uh, in WWE right now. Everyone's all too... You know, no, I don't They're think... They're finally uh, exploiting them, though, dude. I yeah, mean, that's you true. you got Big Daddy V, who's like the ultimate fat guy. He is very fat. He's good. I like him. I always like Mabel, too. I, I like I like Big Daddy V. And I like the fact that they're just giving him squashes and shit. Can't go wrong yeah, I like him more than Umaga. And a lot of people will be like, what? But no, I do. I think Big Daddy V has more of an upside. Wow. And everyone else is right. Yeah, he looks a little more... To the eye, like Abdullah the Butcher, he is doing one-man gang, 100%. Hmm. Everything he does is one-man gang. Can't Just go the wrong clubbing, with that. the big yelling, the big elbow drops, the big fat man leg drop, the squashes in the corner. He's even better than one-man gang. Have you never seen one-man gang doing belly-to-belly suplexes? No. I don't think one-man gang did exactly. a whole lot. No, I like one-man one gang. Okay, let's, let's oh, talk about that. One-man gang was really good. One Man Gang was really good. Like, really good. He's better than Big Boss Man to me, even. Wow. He's better than Bam Bam. I don't know. Bam Bam was really good. 
Bam Bam's up there, know. but one man game. Stop talking about fat though. guys because a lot of them are kind of the, did the same style, but who did it better is always just up for yeah. You know, King Kong Bunny was really good. I know. <laughs> I never. Really... People by five, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. He, oh, he didn't do fucker. that. He had a great look, and he. <laughs> fucker. I don't, think he... <laughs> I don't think he said that. I may have missed it as a kid, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he went that far with it. <laughs> <laughs> if only he did, though, that would be a great gimmick. But they need that, like, in, uh, somewhere in the Indies where he, someone could do oh, that. But <laughs> yeah, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. I remember something I liked a lot about. Uh, Amazing thing that happened. You remember the worst pay-per-view of all time? Which all I'll say is the worst pay-per-view of all time. You might know what it is. Uh, Heroes of Wrestling. There you go. Good job. Do <laughs> you remember there was the best match on the show? It was clearly the one-man gang and Abdul the Butcher. Yeah. I would I contend that that, that was probably time. the best match Abdul the Butcher ever had in his entire life. Wow. And I would credit it to the one-man gang. And Paulie dangerously dropped the fucking ball that year, too. Because after that... ECW was getting ready to go out of business, and Paulie brought in the One Man Gang for all those shows in Louisiana and shit. Mm-hmm. You know, One Man Gang ran there once upon a time. Yep. And like, he had him lose to like Spike Dudley and Chris Chetty and everything. Yeah. And I was kind of dumb and blinded by my ECW glasses at the time, so I was like, "Yeah, man, go Spike, fucking One Man Gang." But the One Man Gang was so good. Yes, he was. Don't even start me on Akeem, because I think Akeem might have been even better. Really? What made Akeem better? Was it just the whole fucked upness of the uh, gimmick? Yes, it was completely stupidness of the gimmick. It was highly potentially offensive. It was totally retarded. It, the way it happened, the skit where it happened, was just shockingly delusional. And then you had him with Slick, who was the greatest. Yes. The pimp Slick. And, like... His promos were unbelievable. I know I made an Eliganti promo comp, but I don't have, like, any Akeem at all on tape. Oh, wow. So hopefully one of these days, someone who's really ridiculous is going to make uh, Akeem promo comp, because he said a lot of dumb shit. I remember, the only one I vividly remember is WrestleMania six before the uh, Big Boss Man match. He's like, two things don't last long in this world. Policemen who don't take bribes and dogs that chase cars. And Slick's like, you just made up a saying. And then they went off to the ring and danced. <laughs> oh, wow. That was no, I remember. Hey, man, you just coined a phrase. And then they, uh... <laughs> yeah, that was... Oh, that was I love stuff. Slick. Really, I wish Slick was like my dad. Great. <laughs> but yeah, he was great. Slick is the most underrated manager of all time. Slick does... He's he did so great work. I wish we had, like, ten Slicks nowadays, but... I know. Instead, we have an Armando Estrada yawn. We don't have any Whatever. managers, really, but... I know. And then they even took the only cool thing, the Alejandro... They took Alejandro away from him, so yeah. what the fuck? No, he's just a dude, but, um... He's like, exactly, he's just a dude. We should mention Bad. Kamala. Teddy Long was totally a poor man's slick. Yes. Getting off the fat guy thing for a minute, but okay. yeah. Teddy Long was not as good as Slick. Slick owns Teddy Long. Wow. Okay, back to fat people. I was just uh, gonna say Kamala had to be uh, mentioned here because he was like, yeah, he was like, like you know, like scary fat, you know. If that makes yeah, sense. Kamala to me was never that fat. I mean, he always looked just slender and kind of with a a, a, a fat midsection, but like he was always like they would sell him as like eight hundred pounds from the jungle, <laughs> and then like I saw him against Carrie Von Eric and David and Mike even and all that shit. So he was. Watching world-class Kamala, you definitely were scared of him. They'd have him, like, beating five people every week, just like uh, Big Daddy V is these days. Hmm. But, like, he would 
just fuck people's day up. And he had a great leapfrog. He is like one of the only fat guys that did a great leapfrog. Yep. I can't do a leapfrog, so I gotta tip my hat to him. I never really tried, so I don't know, but I'm probably not. Yeah, well, I'm gonna try tonight. I'll go and just go downtown and see if I can leapfrog somebody. I'll tell you how. I'll tell you next time how it works out. Oh, there isn't a next time. Oh, well. I'll send you a PM if I can do it. Great. <laughs> I, th- I think I think Kamala is a fat because he used to slap his belly a lot. That, um, yeah, I mean that worked too. He would leapfrog fuckers. He would chop them in the head. He would kick them. He would, and then he like just slap his belly, and that was it. I remember in Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, there was like there was Kamala 2 was in the All Japan section. That was his taunt. He'd slap his belly. And that's all I did. Yeah. He fucking sucked. So, uh... Yeah, Kamala 2 was actually the Botswana beast. <laughs> and this guy has the greatest real name in the history of wrestling. What's that? His real name is Benjamin Franklin Peacock. Oh, my God. <laughs> I could not, not that make name. that up. That should have been his name in wrestling. That's... Oh, my God. That's so perfect. He should have came out with like a, a, like a, a gray wig... Like a flag of sorts. Benjamin Franklin Benjamin Peacock. Franklin Peacock. Fuck yeah. He's very disliked, if I recall correctly. I think Kamala hates him. Oh. Or maybe they hate Abdullah. I don't okay. know. But Kamala, Kamala too, and Abdullah, Vlabdullah, do not get along. What about uh, any more fat guys? Oh my god, there's thousands. I know. Uh, there's Big Bubba, and there was like five Big Bubbas, by the way. There was Big Bubba, who was Fred Ottman, who later became Tugboat. Oh yeah. There was Big Bubba that was Big Boss Man, Big Bubba. Yep. There was... Shit. There was T. John. Do you remember T. John? No. T. John was a guy named Silo fucking Sam. And he was like <laughs> eight feet tall. And he was the AWA's giant. Wow. But like he was just this tall dude that was at Pee Wee's Adventure. Okay. You, have you ever seen Pee Wee's Adventure? Sure. Maybe vaguely. Yeah. yeah, so he was the real tall guy oh, that was okay. at Pee Wee's Adventure. Oh, Jesus. Yes, the AWA 1986 figured out that he was the future of the business. And he lasted like a month. Uh, then there was another guy named T. John Thibodeau, mm. who anyone that has 24-7 now will see was like this 650-pound guy who they build as the biggest man in wrestling because he was fatter than everyone. Wow. And he's like my height. He's like five foot two, Ooh. 600 pounds. He's probably dead, but he didn't last too long either. There was Big Daddy from England. Mm-hmm. Then there was Fake Big Daddy, who was this fat fuck that they found in Florida. And Dusty Rose was like, yeah, baby, I went over to England, and we saw this Big Daddy. And you'll be the new Big Daddy. And, like, they made this guy, like, the new Big Daddy. And then he fell over the fucking ropes because he was untrained. <laughs> and he broke his leg, <laughs> compound fracture styles, and, like, he never, like, walked again. Oh, Jesus. And, like, it ruined wrestling. I'm going to explain to you how. In, like, 1986, Seven, I'm watching like TV, and before wrestling, like a current affair, some you know PM magazine type show was on, and they had this fat ass on there, and he's like, "Yes, Dusty Rhodes ruined my career." It's like, "What?" He's like, "Dusty Rhodes was my boss, and he told me I had to go over the top rope, and I broke my leg, and it's all Dusty's fault because wrestling's fake." And I was like, "Oh no!" I'm like, well, "That guy's lying because Dusty's not a boss. Dusty's fighting with Ric Flair." <laughs> So, you know, my stupidity saved wrestling to me, but then, like, years later, I thought about it a little bit. And then it wasn't until, like, 2005 where I saw this Big Daddy was on Florida TV on, like, 24-7, maybe 2006. I was like, wow, there it is. That's who that guy was. Wow. But, yeah, he didn't laugh. <laughs> and he was fat. If you're fat, more times than not, and you've seen the IWCCW tapes, if you're just a fat fucking guy, you don't need to be trained, it seems. No. Like super duper Mario, right? Come oh on. yeah. I don't think fucking uh, suck. Yeah. 
But it's like, okay, just waddle into the fucking ring. People will bounce off you. You fall down. Please don't kill them falling. Okay, you win. <laughs> but you had to, like, be able to sing. Or it look like a fucking Three Stooge. Or you had to, like, have a midget with... I mean, there's always, like, this guy be, like... A... Yeah. I would like a gimmick where you had, like, a fat guy and a fat midget. Huh. That would see. be good. I'll see why that That's like a Super Porky type thing. They should have had, like, a fat guy dressed like Super Porky. And they could have done vignettes with them at the buffet. Like, basically everything that, like, Lucha did with him, you know. Yeah. Go to Super Astro's sandwich shop and eat that fucking giant sandwich. Yeah, that'd have been good. <laughs> but, but no. I don't know. I'm against WWF these days, so... Yeah, not like midgets. Alright, who else was uh, fat? That, uh... Yeah, fat wrestlers. Well, Andre was fat. Yeah. King was... Kong Bundy, Vader, Leon White, the baby bull was fat. There was a wrestler in AWA, Earthquake Ferris. I remember that him. name. And he did the Ferris wheel airplane spin. Oh, good one, Vern. Yeah. <laughs> and he was good, because he had... Actually, if you would put money on, or if I would put money on... Who would have been the star, Earthquake Ferris or Vader? I would have chosen Earthquake Ferris. Oh, wow. So I'd have lost a lot of money. But he was, he looked like he had all the makings of being a good wrestler. Huh. Uh, I should mention Otto Wands as well. Cause, uh, oh, Otto Wands, yes. Who, uh, I remember Phil Schneider once described him as looking like and moving like Boss Hogg from the Dukes of Hazard. Like, there you go. Yeah. He was a, uh, he was a pretty shitty, uh, he was bad. He, he everything. He yeah, bought he the AWA horrible. belt for a, a week. Yeah, he did buy the belt. You know, I don't like that, though. So I'll bet you a lot of people bought belts, but they always get that fat fuck out of wants all the heat for buying the belt. Who he bought the belt. I'll bet you a lot of people bought, 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 probably bought the belt, you know? Oh, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Poor Otto wants. Yeah. He just wanted to be fat and make money. You know, he's a, he's a sleazebag, though, too. So I, I heard that... uh when Lethal Larry Cameron died over in Germany, mm-hmm. he was a fucking dickhead and wouldn't even pay to fly the fucking body back over to, like, Minneapolis and shit. So, wow. Yeah, he's a scumbag. I take it back. He did buy the belt. <laughs> okay. It was all only on a wand, damn it. That fucker. Well, all right. <laughs> As you lose all your European listeners. Eh, it's all, it's the last show anyway, so. I, Yeah, there you go. I wonder if Otto Wands was more over than Big Daddy. You always hear about Big Daddy being yeah, everyone... in England. Being Big Daddy, being huge, being in the Hall of Fame. Why aren't there British people in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think Otto Wands is what, Germany? I think so, yeah. yeah. Now, you, uh, you also Austria. mentioned a topic here. We could talk about fat guys forever, but uh, you also had uncrowned women of wrestling, those, you know, that were ugly. <laughs> yeah, and all <laughs> yeah, capital you know letters. Terrified unsightly... of this topic. but No, look, at the unsightly women of wrestling honestly get no props whatsoever. I mean, even looking back on, like, old observers, like, I remember one time someone wrote a letter in, how come WCW brought in Debbie Combs to wrestle Medusa when they could have just brought in Beulah? And they even Meltzer, Herb even said, he's like, you know what, he goes, I hope that you don't let, like, ladies' looks in your personal life, you know, dictate on how good they are at their job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Beulah McGillicuddy couldn't fucking wrestle. I mean, she had a miracle match with Bill Alfonso. Don't get me wrong, it was awesome. I don't think they were going to let him bleed, like, with Debbie Combs, yes. like, bleed a gallon, so. Yes. And Debbie Combs was just this girl that grew up in wrestling. Her mom was Cora Combs, or whoever her mom was, and she's just this plain-looking, Hallie Mills-looking lady. She looked from Wonder Years, if you will, the, the mom. Oh, yeah. 
she looked just like her, kind of. Except even bugger, you know, bugged out eyes, you know. So, like, she was never, I didn't really think she was that great, but, like, better than Beulah. But just goes to show, this poor lady, Debbie Cove, has never really got any credit. Judy Martin. Judy Martin was probably the best wrestler in the history of female wrestling. And she gets no props. But, I just remember her in the... You know, she was the other... Or one quarter of the... Glamour gal, yeah. Yeah, with the, the jumping bomb Kai. angel uh, matches. Yeah. Like, she was there taking all that offense, taking power oh, bomb yeah. and shit. Leilani Kai and uh, Judy Martin made the jumping bomb angels. Sure, the jumping bomb angels were awesome and flew all around. But yo, Rey Mysterio wouldn't have been shit without psychosis. That's all I got to say. Judy Martin and Leilani Kai are the best female psychosis wrestling's ever seen. I'll say that. Do they and still they have, have the? Uh... They don't have wig psychosis. They have real hair. That's right. Do they exactly. still have the uh, WWF women's tag titles? Are they defunct? Do the Jumping Bomb Angels still hold them for? After, like, I would like years? to find out how that happened. Norio Tateno, who's one of the Jumping Bomb Angels, lives in New York. So really, next Ring of Honor show will have. Yeah, maybe she'll be at it. Cool. See, uh, Misawa. So we'll see how that goes. That's right. I'm gonna try to hopefully be at that show too. Dude, I got tickets. I couldn't believe it. I was not going to pay $100 for tickets because that's oh, crazy. No. I don't have problems with people that do. God bless them. Because they're going to sell, like, the top balcony tickets and the bottom tickets, you know? Yep. That's like double front row $100 tickets. Oh, yeah. Which is awesome for them. They'll sell them because fucking people are crazy. Sure. But, like, even, like, the second row was, like, seven, no, like 65 or maybe 70 And we got, like, third row for, like, 45 or 50 yeah. So that's good. That's good stuff. Like Balcony we got. Balcony's where you got to go. Anyone that's listening to this, if you're going to ROH and you're going to see Misawa in New York, hit up the Balcony. Try to stay away from general admission. And if you have to, you know, if you're on the floor, just try to get a standing seat. Honestly, it'll suck to stand the whole show, but you'll see a lot more than you will if you're up in the GA fucking section where you can't see shit. I've always got good seats, thank God. Like, we had front row, like, Balcony one time, which was like, Unbelievable deal. Where like like the Kenta Danielson match. Oh yeah, like, they were the best seats ever. Best wow. seats ever. And then the second time, <laughs> we had like the second row balcony, and it wasn't as good. And now we've actually hit something where if you get like fourth row balcony, mm-hmm. you can fucking stand because no one's behind you. You know what I mean? Mm. And last time we were fourth row balcony, and like we were right near the concessions and beer, so win win. Wow, it was, yeah. was great. Cool. Awesome. But yeah, anyway, how do we? Segue into that. Oh, Norio Tateno, the jumping bombs. Okay. That's yeah. right. You missed, I was looking at the names here. Don Cristianello. I don't remember her. <laughs> As I choke and die. But yes, Don Cristianello was this chick that uh, was one of those, you know, second line women wrestlers. Mm-hmm. You know, Judy Martin's understudy, if you will. That like girls like Wendy Rector would go over. And uh, she was good. Another one gets no props. Velvet McIntyre. A lot of people would have said that she was like their hot rouge warrior, but no. I thought she was pretty unsightly myself. I, I got no beef with uh, Velvet McIntyre. You got no beef with her? Not oh, then, and okay. even not now, looking back. I got no, you know, I ain't going to complain. I'd have her. to see her again. I don't know. I'll have to check that out again. But yeah, at the time, I wasn't in her. Who else? Uh, Lana Kai. Oh, I, remember, uh, I remember Susan Sexton, who was in like the LGPA. And she was yeah, on a, she was on a clash Molly- once. Yeah, I thought she was Molly Holly. Oh, I don't think so. Because Molly Holly's name was Starla Sexton, or oh. Saxton, when she first started. So they said Susan Sexton was going to be with Macho Man. I was like, what? He used to kick with her back in the day? But no, it's this young girl, Molly. 
But Susan Sexton, I do remember. You remember the LPWA? That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. That's like a complete who's who of unsightly chicks that couldn't <laughs> make it to the big leagues. But damn it, they were good workers. And uh, that, I mean, props to them. I mean, I think that's so glossed over. I mean, if we weren't all pigs, you know, in male wrestling, you know, no one's like, oh, gee, that great colleague's ugly. Can't hire him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like with the chicks, it's always just so, like, aesthetic, you know, based. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, can't hire her. Yeah. God, who was the last ugly, like, female hired by the WWF? Uh, China. Yeah, yeah China's China. up there. You mentioned uh, Bertha Fay, too. Bertha Fay, Bertha Fay, who's awesome, too. Monster Ripper. She was good. Ripper. China, though, dude, I don't know about you, but... Yeah. I remember in college where Playboy came out. And yeah. there was, like, this subset of fucking people that were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't No. Yeah. I don't know why... And not only that, I can't even, like, clown the people that were in college that I knew that bought it all excitedly because that was, like, one of the biggest-selling WWF Playboys ever. Like, yeah. she outsold Tori and shit. I think maybe because That tells a lot time. about society. What's yeah. that? I think because it was the first time, maybe, that had more... The first time... I don't know, maybe. That's, that's I don't unbelievable know. to me. That's, that's nuts. That's yeah. Nuts. That's kind of crazy, but... China. But China. Who the hell else was there? Uh... Shit. WWF hotties. Hotties. Not even sure. A lot of people, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think the old school ones, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, Sherry Martell was probably like a kind of pretty chick, but I didn't think she was all that. But that was great because she could play into her looks. Yeah. That's kind of angry and dark. So she, she really pulled it off. And there was a Do you remember Mimi, Magnificent Mimi? Yes, I do. I Yes. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Rock she and Robin. Good. She was hot, though. I'm not. She's, okay. I ain't gonna say. Rock and Robin was another like kind of, not necessarily knockout chick, but like mm. she was related to Sam Houston, right? Yeah. And Jake. They Robin's weren't married, too, though. No. No. I think they were. They weren't married. Okay. Nicola Roberts is chained into that situation. She's married to Sam Houston. Okay. Or was. Yeah, that's the way that goes. How about Sunshine? Sunshine would even make it on TV for two seconds these days. Mm. But Sunshine was fucking good. And you remember the original Mae Young? Stella Mae French? Sunshine's aunt? No, I don't. No. Yes. It's and you. you got to watch more World Class, buddy. Because, yeah, they have that on the, the uh, 24-7 now where Sunshine and Stella Mae French. And they're fighting with uh, Jimmy Garvin and Precious. I think mm. the way it went. Wow. And Chris Adams was all up in there. I bet he was. Not those women. <laughs> no. Not those women in that situation, of course. I see. Chris Adams is a, a chaste lad. Did you see that uh, the, the Memphis set from 1993? No. Oh, no I, thought I, you, I thought Bix had sent you that. I just remember Chris Adams. No, I've never seen it, man. Going after Brian Christopher. Cause... I'm sure it'd be good. Oh, yeah, you told me about that. that yeah, that was that really, really creepy stalker, OJ-ish kind of. You won't be yeah. with another man kind of angle, but... Yeah, other, I, uh, I don't recall that. I think that's all the women from. Yeah, we pretty Once much again, ran again. Globes, I thought yeah. there would be more, but I guess... Oh, wait, Linda Dallas, Misty Blue Fins. Right. We went over them last time. Oh, Misty but, yeah. Blue, I remember that. Oh, yeah, the whole porno thing. Yeah, it's the whole controversy where Bix figured out that it wasn't Misty Blue that was in one of those movies that the adults like to watch. Someone kept asking me about that, and I'm like, I'm not really <laughs> going to look into this. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> 
All right. I think we should move on to uh, <laughs> mention. Remember every midget that was in the WWF. Okay, this is good. So this is a good way to to wrap things. Yeah, up. midgets. You don't you don't forget a midget. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> let's 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 face facts here. There was only so many midgets. So like you had like Lord Littlebrook, Little Tokyo, Little Haiti. Mm-hmm. Haiti kid. Haiti kid. Oh, was he Little was Coco. He... Mr. T, little Coco little was not the Haiti kid, I don't believe. Okay. It was kind of cute. They had like a little midget for every demographic. There was, uh, shit, what was that guy's name? I'm going to say Lance Armstrong, but no. <laughs> uh, maybe not. Not Lance Armstrong. Uh, Butch Cassidy. That's so close to Lance Armstrong. Sure. No, Butch Cassidy. No, I'm confused because Lance Cassidy was teamed with an Armstrong. But anyway, Butch Cassidy was a little midget who always lost because he's like the bad guy midget. Mm-hmm. He's like a tall midget, though. He was like Chirito Estrado. He was like 4'11". Huh. He, like, he, he was the midget curve, so to speak. But he always lost. He was like this little Irish midget. And then there was uh, Little Mr. T, which was, of course, when uh, Orton and Piper shaved the Haiti kid into a Mr. Right. T. There was, uh, I remember thinking of WrestleMania three. there was Lord Littlebrook and Little Tokyo. Yes, and... <laughs> And everyone's favorite of all time, Little Beaver. Little Beaver. <laughs> yes. Tremendous. Little Beaver got banged up at WrestleMania too. <laughs> That's right. He took the big, big elbow drop from a fat oh, guy, yeah. King Kong Bundy. He took fat guy moves. Is so. <laughs> that five? You gotta fucker. love the Little Beaver. And who else was there? Jesus. Uh, they kind of let the midgets go for a while there. Yeah, they kind of happened there. You don't have them there though. What's that? Lord Littlebrook got his, some of his little midget guys. It was a little karate kid. Uh huh who I guess was like a good-looking male midget, and they hmm. claimed that Pat Patterson allegedly, uh, with the... Really? Like, was making, like, advances toward the little guy. Wow. So then Lord Littlebrook, who was like the leader of the midget... <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying these things. He was like the leader of the midgets, though. He, like, he was their agent, so to speak, so he kind of complained to Vince. And then Vince was like, oh, I don't believe that. Those allegations are preposterous. And then, like, basically, the midget stopped. And you never saw, like, midgets in WWF anymore. Well, I remember uh, there was Sky Lolo, who uh, went on to manage, um, shit, who was that guy? The great, uh... In, Super uh, Duper Mario. No, no, it was IWCCW, the, um... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking Shit, right? the guy with the alley-oop, uh... The oh, alley-oop. yeah, he didn't have the name Super Duper Mario. No, it was, uh... Oh, f- oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know who that's I mean. That's that there was literally three really shitty fat guys, though. <laughs> <laughs> was it Bialo the Giant? Uh, yeah, I think it was. But he had a different like name. Yeah, something, something like that. Gustav. the great, yes, Giant Gustav. Thank you. They, yeah, yeah, and he was on... We got it. He was on commentary, and oh, you do that better than I do. Yeah, I'm not going to do it, though. Oh, I man. can't do it justice right now. But yeah, little, little, Goose, little not little Gustav, Sky Low Low, and then WWF brought the midgets back, because they took the AAA midgets. Yeah. Like, Expectorito became, like, Little Vader. Oh, and that's right, Mini Mankind. became, like, fucking... You know, little Shawn Michaels or something. Not a, not a bad premise. Like little gold dust and no. little mankind. And who I remember the, that. That was weird. Yeah, like the big guy was like Max Mini. Yeah. Max Mini was like the king shit. And Zuki. Huh. Zuki, that's right. Did they ever yeah. have midgets in, in WCW? <laughs> oh, yeah, they had midgets one time, right? Because remember they had the big... The Mexican feds were feuding... 
And, like, one fan was like, uh-huh, we're going to go WWF, and we're going to supply them with our midgets. So then WCW's like, well, we need Mexican midgets, too. So then, like, they ended up getting, like, like CMLs went, maybe CMLL went to WWF, so then they were like, well, we want the promo Azteca midgets. So then they went and they got their own midgets. And it was, like, I was stoked. I was like, dude, these guys tear shit down. It was like one of these nitros where, like, they had, like, a thousand matches. Yeah. Like, on one show, you had Giant versus Hulk. You had uh, Dragon versus uh, Liger. You had Dean versus Ray. And then you had, like, a midget match. And you had, like, Harlem Heat and the Nasties. And then you had, like, fucking, like, Big Boss Man against IRS. Like, it was just, <laughs> or different names of those guys. But, yeah, it was, like, yeah. all this shit on one show. And I remember being so psyched, and then, like, the midgets sucked, because, like, I guess they, they had their seven-minute match planned. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're like, okay, that'll be three. And then they got somewhere, and it's like, that'll be two. And the whole time, they're fucking shit up, and Bobby Heenan's making the prick out of them. Aww. So they never got over, and they never came back. That's too bad. But, yeah, there were WCW midgets. Oh, that's good Rest to know. Assured. Yeah, they existed. All right, well, I think our time, sadly, is coming to an end for this show. I know. We, we I literally could talk all night to you about wrestling, but... That's true. That's not the case. Unbelievable. I can't believe your show is over. I know. Where I joined such big-time players like Lightning Mike Quackamush and and uh, Dave Prezak. You got Dave on, right? No, I never did. Really? Yeah. That must have been the biggest show. I mean, <laughs> I think that was... I mean big-time names like... Who else did you have, goddammit? You got I Brian have... Alvarez, right? Brian Alvarez, yeah. Well, there you go. Way to go. Uh, that guy's funny. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I hope you show up on, on other shows. I hope there's, uh, I don't know if Bix intermittently does podcasts. I hope you can talk to him or... Yeah, he does do them every now and then. Every now and then. I think you should be on all the time. You should have your own show, frankly. Just, it, just oh, yeah. if you had a monologue, can't, I would listen can't to Can't get enough of the goddamn wrestling podcast. I really I can't. Don't know. These are pretty fun, though. I, I guess, uh, the only other one I usually listen to, I don't think Bix does too many anymore. Maybe he does, I don't know. But, uh, I like that Dr. Keith show. Yeah. So that'll be the new one I'll always listen to, that's for sure. There you go. I think that but, uh, you have to sign up for uh, Figure 4, though. Do you? Yeah. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> well, it was a way. nice try. You'll find a yeah, way. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I won't say I'm going to pirate it now, wink, wink. No, I'm just wink, kidding, wink. Dr. Keen. I love your show. There you go. It prospers. All right. Well, you were uh, an awesome guest. You were one of my favorite Thanks, guests. man. Always an awesome time. And uh, I hope, definitely hope uh, to hear from you again. Maybe we'll we'll finally see a show together if I get to see Misawa. Yeah, honestly, let's face it. You got, and maybe you'll just always come back, which you know. Yeah, it's very fun style. Yeah, it's possible, but if not, thank you for having me on your last show. Hey, no problem. And uh, I guess that's gonna do it. I'll be back in a bit to uh, to move to the next segment. So, Rob, do you have any uh, final anything you want to get off your chest? Yes. Plant a tree. The environment's dying. No, not really. I, I'm not going to be too uh, preachy, but uh, everyone... Hmm, what do I want them to do? I'll just go to Death Valley Driver Wrestling. And That's right. And enjoy enjoy bit. wrestling. Yeah. Don't take it too seriously. It. Just have some fun. Yeah, don't be a douchebag. That's, yeah, that's what we'll be, say. There you that's go. That's kind of to the point, right? That's right. All right. Well, I'll be right back with the next segment Peace. in a second. Well, that's as good a place to end as any. So many thanks to the Cubs fan, Justin Shapiro and Rob Naylor. That's going to do it for part one. Why don't you jump right over to part two? I'll meet you over there. <laughs> 